0: Hey and welcome to the CCWC podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to be part of today's message. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, and deepens your faith in Jesus. Enjoy the message.
1: My name is Pastor Eric. I'm the children's pastor. If you don't know that, I'd love to hang out and chat with you. Um, afterward, um, but I have loved this series, and I've just been—I get to listen online. I don't even get to listen with everybody, so I have to listen to sermons on Monday all by myself. Um, but I love this series, and I—this I, is one of the greatest tools uh, that we can possibly have. And a few weeks ago, we talked with the kids about the sword of the spirit. We talked about this Word of God that is the sword of the spirit, this tool for us to use. To, uh, to share the gospel that um, I like in, in Hebrews, let's, let me hold on a second here, Hebrews uh, chapter 6, Hebrews chapter 6, in Hebrews chapter 6, uh, you guys are probably familiar with this, it's the armor of God, uh, and this is from the NIRV, the New International Reader's Version, and it just says, finally, let the Lord make you strong. Depend on his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor, and then you can remain strong against the devil's evil plans. Our fight is not against human beings. It's against the rulers and the authorities and the powers of this dark world. It is against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly world. So, Put on all of God's armor. Evil days will come, but you will be able to stand up to anything. And after you have done everything you can, you will still be standing. So remain strong in faith. Put on the belt of truth around your waist. Put on the armor of godliness on your chest. Wear on your feet what will prepare you to tell the good news of peace. Also pick up the shield of faith with you and uh, that you can put out all of the flaming arrows of the evil one. Put on the helmet of salvation and take the sword of the Holy Spirit, the sword of God's word. This sword that we can take and 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 fight off. Like when, when the devil tries to attack us and say that we're not good enough, and we're not strong enough, and we're not, uh, we don't belong. And oh in, in, it's in Hebrews where it talks about how the sword of the spirit cleaves marrow. It cleans us. It gets rid of our unrighteousness uh, through knowing the scriptures. And so uh, sometimes it's kind of hard to visualize like how you could use the Bible as a sword, as a tool to defend, as a tool to, to, to rescue, as using these words to share the gospel. So let me show you, me show you what I mean uh, just a little bit here. So it says to put on the helmet of salvation and take out the sword that is the word of God. Yeah, to use this word, to use God's scriptures to to cleave the devil, to say, you know what? I am good enough. I am brave enough. I am strong enough. In uh, early, earlier in Ephesians, let me let me uh, uh, Pastor Steve shared this a few weeks ago. Ephesians chapter two, and and I'll show you what I mean on how we can use. Let me make a little room here. Hold on, some some stuff around. Let me show you how we can use the scriptures as a sword. Yeah, this is one of my. One of my, I'm going to, can I scoot this a little? There you go. I need, should have made, I a, got a bigger table here. Um, but this is, uh, this here. If, if the devil is a liar, and the devil is going to try to convince you that you are less than, he might remind you that you used to be what he, which used to be a liar, right? And he might remind you that you used to be, um, um, uh, you know, you'd steal stuff. And he reminds you that you used to, to not ever go to church and you definitely didn't believe in Jesus. And, and you said not, not so nice things about people and you cheated at school and maybe you said some bad words. Ooh. And he's, he reminds us of who we used to be. See, that's all the devil can do when, you've, when you come into righteousness and you allow the sword of the spirit to cleanse us. All, all the devil can do is remind you of who you used to be. These things of who you used to be because that's not who you are anymore. So instead, uh, the God says, put on all of the armor of God, the shield of faith that that gets rid of flaming arrows. All right, hold on. I got, let me find, I had some lighter fluid somewhere. (laughs) Not sure where. (laughs) Okay, just a little, just a tiny bit. Let's move it away from the computer. Yeah. Yeah. So when the flaming arrows, when the devil is trying to remind you of who you used to be, we put on our sh- the shield of faith. We hold up our shield of faith to protect us. We have the sword and the scriptures already hidden in our hearts. And when the devil tries to remind us of who we used to be, we remind him of who we are now who we have become now in Christ, this follower of Jesus. Because that's who I am now, not who I used to be or who the devil tries to remind us that we are. So in, uh, in Ephesians chapter 2, we read this last week, if you remember, Pastor Steve read it. So you're no longer outsiders and strangers You're no longer that thing you used to be, but you're now a follower of Christ. You are citizens together with God's people. You are also members of God's family. You are a building that is being built on the apostles and prophets. They are the foundation. Jesus Christ himself is the most important stone in the building. The whole building is held together by him, and it rises and became holy in a temple because it belongs to the Lord. And because you belong to him, you as well are being built together. You are being made in a house where God lives through his spirit. So, kids, when the devil tries to remind you who you used to be, you remind him who you are now and remind him, you know what, I read the end of the book. I know what happens to you, my buddy friend, right? Remind him who you are now. Don't let him remind you who you used to be.
0: Thank you, Pastor Eric. That was very nice. I'm, I'm spying on this a little bit. I remember several years ago, I was at a conference, and uh, my wife and I both had a, at a Christian conference down in Atlanta. And at this conference, one of the special—they'd uh, they, have speakers that would come. They'd also have some special things that they would do throughout to kind of uh, bring forth the, the actual phrase or the theme for that year was Awaken the Wonder. And one of them was a, a, an illusionist, a Christian magician, and they brought forth all of these different illusions, kind of the same way that uh, Pastor Eric was was walking through and uh, kind of did this Mary Poppins sword thing, which I really appreciated. But he walked through all these different illusions uh, and then eventually culminated with, in the Gwinnett Center, with 20,000 people, culminated with bubbles falling from the sky, uh, mixed with, with uh, uh, with snow, and it was, it was really kind of an interesting thing, and I remember looking around and trying to figure out where this came from and how it happened, and I, I, I actually, I haven't slept in five years, so I've been trying to figure out exactly what happened with all of it. If you know anything about the, the trade or the organization or the, uh, the fraternity of magicians or illusionists, they don't tell their secrets, they don't tell how they do these things, You might remember a show that uh, came on for a while, Breaking the Magician's Code, right? Magician's Biggest Secrets Finally Revealed, and there was these magician or this one magician that would come out, and he had a mask on, and he would share all the different things that would take place, that he would kind of reveal the mysteries so that we might know exactly what they are, uh, and in some ways would eliminate the wonder and the excitement of what uh, actually took place. Today as we transition, we're reading through, if this is your first time here or if you're joining as one of the students or children that's typically on the other side of the building, we're reading through Paul's letter. Paul was an apostle. He was a follower of Jesus and he wrote, as he was inspired by the Holy Spirit, he wrote letters to different churches. And the way that he wrote letters was specifically how churches were actually set up in the early church, which was, there was no church smaller than actually a city itself. And so he would write to the church in Corinth, which was the entire city. It would be like him writing to the church in Albany or the church of of, of Athens. There's one church, all the Christians, right? And so he was writing to the church in Ephesus and he was expressing to them two main things. One is what, what is proper understanding, proper theology, proper understanding of who Jesus is and what he's done. And the second part, which we're going to start next week and continue through to conclude this series is what do we do with it? Well, as we are here together, we are going to express or we're going to experience together uh, the, the mystery, the final mystery that Paul unveils. Now, how exciting is that? That, you know, sometimes you read scripture, maybe you're like me, you read scripture and you have more questions than answers as you read through it. Anybody in here like, like Mike me in, in some regard? Today, we're going to to walk through this passage together, and we're going to experience, we're going to explore, we're going to examine, and we're going to discover what Paul's greatest mystery is that he shares with the church at Ephesus. And in chapter 2, leading up to this, we read about the fact that Jesus came to save individual people. He came to save every single person. He came to save you and save me, and he came to save every person he wrote to in the church of Ephesus, everybody that was created before that, and everybody who has lived in between that moment and now. And then the second half, as we looked at just last week, he came to reconcile each person with one another, recognizing the fact that we are a church together, recognizing that we have opportunity to be able to have relationship with one another, with other believers, both now and for eternity as well. But in this portion, in chapter 3, God also unites the equalness, the, the equality, I should say, of one body. He brings forth a culmination of the reconciliation that happens in us, the, the making us new, the fixing us, the bringing us, uh, giving us grace and mercy. And then now, uh, with the rest of the church, brings us through this reconciliation together. Paul calls this, this reconciliation into one body, the mystery. He calls this the mystery of what we are, the mystery of where we go. Where we go, that's interesting. This morning, we're going to go on a journey together. And if you have your note guide, you'll notice kind of that fun little windy map. And there's a reason for that. Typically, on the, the, uh, the points, I go lin- in a linear fashion, one, two, three, four. But here's the deal. As we walk through this together, we're going to use this as a metaphor of life. In fact, I have a, a, um, an, a an image i don 't know if you have it we can put it up there of the game of life This, this game of life in some ways is a pretty good metaphor representation of life because there 's unexpected things that happen there 's twists and turns in the road. in fact, if you look at your note guide you 'll see that it 's not a linear line to, or not a, a linear journey from point to point with a straight line instead there 's some curves there 's some twists along the way, and we know that that 's how life is sometimes there 's some mystery in life. But as Pastor Eric said, and as we even sang about, as we were singing with, along with the students and even in the songs prior to at the praise team, we recognize the fact that we don't go it alone. This journey isn't one that we do on our own. Instead, the mystery is discovered because we take this journey with the one, the omniscient one, the omnipresent one, the one that knows all, that's in all, that works through all. In fact, this God's plan or God's plan for salvation, as we talked about a few weeks ago, GPS, is kind of like the game of life. Because we walk through point by point what God calls us to do. And sometimes we have free will. Sometimes we veer from that point. Sometimes because of our own actions or somebody else's actions, we might go down a different road. But today as we walk through Paul's letter, chapter 3, We're going to walk through point by point what actually took place, how this mystery is revealed. And then as a sample of the next few weeks, we're going to look at what we do in response to this mystery. So let's go on this journey together, and we'll start actually in verse one of chapter three. It says, "For this reason, uh, responding to, or kind of as a as a response to, this is another conjunction statement uh, of what God has done through Jews and Gentiles, making us all alive in Christ. For this reason, I Paul, the author of this letter, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles. So we're just going to pause for a moment and recognize this verse is is kind of set apart from the rest of what we're going to read today. In fact. Right here, Paul is expressing the fact that he literally is a prisoner, not just a prisoner uh, figuratively, but a a literal prisoner. He's under house arrest, not because of something he did, because of the the sins like Pastor Eric had had us walk through, I don't know where that tray went, Uh, the sins were cast away and they're forgotten, right? And and the the sins that we commit, right? Not because of, of the fact that we are defined by being a cheater or a liar or anything along those lines, but instead he is a prisoner because he was preaching the gospel, He was a prisoner because he was sharing the truth, sharing the gospel with others. But here, in in some fashion, he kind of breaks that train of thought. And we will return to that at the end. But he breaks that train of thought and he begins to tell about this mystery. It's important that we note, because in order to understand this, we must understand his circumstance. It's important to note that Paul is writing from prison. And so this mystery that he speaks of is something that's far greater. You know, as we look at the journey in general, sometimes when you go on a trip, anybody ever been on a trip and it takes you like 45 minutes to an hour just to get out of town, right? I didn't grow up in a big city, but I know that every vacation I ever went on as a child, we were in town for at least an hour before we left. We had to get gas, We had to make sure that the the tires were aired up. And my favorite, my favorite, we always had to stop at the credit union before we left town. And for whatever reason, the credit union was the only bank in town that didn't give out the little suckers. And I remember that. And I'm scarred for life. No, I'm a follower. I'm a follower. No. But in any event, there are these specific instances where we have issue, where we walk through, and here Paul is saying, look, I am walking through an issue, but I want you to know that there's a mystery that's more important than the imprisonment that I now experience. Verse 2 continues, as, says, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is the mystery, first mention of the mystery, that is the mystery made known to me by revelation as I have already written briefly. So here he's saying, look, I've already talked about this a little bit, but I want to get a little bit more in depth about this mystery. And the point is this, the first point is Paul was given a revelation into a mystery, He was given a revelation about a a mystery to come. He wasn't given the entire road map. Instead, there was one point that he had in his moment in time, in his life. And because of the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, God, uh, the, the Holy Spirit, he was able to be faithful and obedient and give us what we have today in this letter, the book of Ephesians. Here we see it, it may be a thought of a secret of something that, that's temporarily hidden, but more than that, this is God's plan actively working out and being revealed to us. This is the turn-by-turn the turn navigation. And so we see that, that Paul, given this small thing, given this information about this mystery, doesn't just sit idly by, but instead he records it for you, for me, for our brothers and sisters throughout time. Continuing in verse four, it reads like this, in reading this then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ. How many times have you heard or maybe thought or said, gosh, God, you know what? I just wish I knew this. I just wish I knew that. God, I want to follow you. I want to know your plan. If you would just reveal it to me. And here Paul says, look, you don't have to have this mystery in your life anymore. You don't have to wonder how did that sword come out of the scripture. Instead, I'm going to tell you. I'm going to reveal this mystery on this specific point as we continue. Verse 5 picks up, which was not made known to people in other generations as it now has been revealed by the Spirit of God's holy apostles and prophets. And we recognize the fact that there is a time-sensitive message being granted to Paul at that time. In fact, the point is this, Paul's faithfulness reveals truth we can understand. We can understand. Paul is faithful to say, Here is what God has expressed to me, and I want you to know about it. Verse 5 not made known to men in other generations. This is set apart. This is God's service. You may have heard the, the, the phrase from Scripture for such a time as this, right? And this, the, the, the person who says it, this woman who, who steps forward, or who said too, this woman steps forward and obediently in the presence of a, 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 a king who is basically in their day who was God, who had the power of God, who could have, who could have killed her. She steps forward for such a time as this. The power of scripture, you know, it's inspired by the Holy Spirit and the, an the, obedience of, of Paul to step forward. And the implication is this, for us, God calls us to do things sometimes in his kingdom at a certain time. God calls you and calls me to step forward. And here's, here's maybe the sidebar question, what is God calling you to do right now in your leg of the journey? What's God calling you to, to do today? What's God calling you today this week uh, as you go back to work or as you go to school? What's God calling you to do as you engage with your family, with your friends, maybe children, with your parents, with your siblings, parents with your children? Paul, Paul's faithfulness reveals truth that we can understand. What truth has God given you to share in your sphere of influence? And then in Bizarre form. Paul chooses to bring the climax now. At this point, you you can note if you're looking at your note guide, there's six points, and all of a sudden, Paul says, "Okay, uh, point three in in Steve's sermon in uh, 2022 uh, is going to be the the the, the climax, usher in this point." That was a joke. I feel like we're a little bit stuffy this morning. Maybe it's because there's kids in here. I don't know. Maybe you don't know how to take me today. But in any event, here we, we recognize, we find out that uh, the, the climax comes and that the mystery is solved. Here in verse 6, and read this with me, or listen along. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members to, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise in Jesus Christ in Christ Jesus. This mystery is that through, through the gospel, through what Christ has done, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel. Now this would probably have been um, not great news for those who were part of the tribes uh, or part of the, the Israelite people. They, they, they would have looked at it and said, wait a minute, wait a minute, they didn't do anything to earn their keep. They didn't do anything to be able to to get on the same level, so to speak, as us. And on the other end, the others were like, well, we don't really want to be part of what they're doing over there. But here we recognize that it's not uh, the desires or the hearts of the people, but instead it's it's the work of God, members together of one body and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. And so two things there. One, recognizing the mystery is that we are one body. One body. And this imagery, this this metaphor is used throughout Scripture, especially in Paul's writings, recognizing the, the reality of what a body is, how a body has to operate, how a body works together in unity. And at the same time, the second part of that is brought, uh, excuse me, let me jump back over here, in the... Um, and sharers together in the promises of Christ Jesus, which recognizes the fact that we all get the same thing. It's not like there's a, a, a heaven and then a sub-heaven, okay? Uh, for those of you who are part of the chosen people get to go here and everybody else has to hang out down here. No, we are all sharers in God's glory, in God's sacrifice for us. We're all riding in the same car. In fact, the point is this. The exact mystery is that all people are fellow members Of one body. Have you ever gone on a long trip with the with a crowded car? If you want to learn what grace is or patience is, rewind back to the 90s before there was a screen in front of every face in a car. Jump in there together when air conditioning wasn't necessarily a, a everybody has it, was more of a luxury, and drive for a few hours. You're going to learn who gets hungry quick, who has the smallest bladder. You're going to learn whose favorite music is this and who likes to sing acapella over that favorite music. You're going to learn who smells bad. You're going to grow in your understanding of patience very, very quickly. And here's the reality. In life, in the journey of life, as we do this point-by-point navigation, sometimes you're going to be with people in the car, so to speak, that kind of get on your nerves, you're also going to be in the car with people that, that frustrate you or that, that may have done things in the past. Look at, look at Paul, for example. Look at Paul. You're, you're, you're maybe walking through life with people you think, you know what, if they become a believer or if they, if they are a believer, man, their past or their present, man, I can't believe that they're going to get to experience the same paradise that I am. And sometimes the reality is that we we get frustrated or we almost don't necessarily want others to be able to experience that because of the way that they've wronged you or me or somebody else. Look at Paul, for example, specifically an individual who literally sought out to murder Christians. People who followed Christ, people who were subscribers of the way. And now in this point, I'm sure some of the people even reading the scripture looked at that and said, really, Paul, you think you're going to get to go? You think that you're going to share in the, the way that it's expressed here, share together in the promises in Christ Jesus? You think you get to? You, you think you get to bully on the playground or, or bully in the classroom or bully on social media or bully at work or bully that, 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 that lives around the corner from you? You think you're going to get to be part of this? The repetition here, the word that's used here, this together is interesting to me. The mystery is that through the gospel, Gentiles are heirs together with Israel. Members together of one body and shares together in the promises is very key. It's very important. Because this together recognizes the fact that this isn't individualistic or even a small tribe pursuit. This is an all-encompassing, unifying together, not because of what we have done or what you have done or what I have done, but because of who God is and what he has done. The body of Christ, this this imagery is read in in 1 Corinthians 12, 27, says, Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. Not each one of you look exactly the same or are the same part. That would be really weird if we were just a body of all noses walking around, right? I don't even know how we would walk, right? No, instead, you are all part of the same body, bringing your own gifts, your own abilities, your own resources to the table, but working together in unity, recognizing that God, in the person of Jesus Christ, is the head, is the leader, is the guide, as we move on now, we, like I said, with kind of how the, this is kind of a microcosm of the rest of, uh, of the book, or how the book is as a whole, the first part is kind of here's what it is. The second part is how we respond to it. As we move on now, we look at what, what Paul says and what his actions were and what we can learn from it. In verse seven, it says, "I become a servant of this gospel by the gift of God 's gi- grace given me through the working of his power, although I am less." Then the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ. There's a little bit of humility coming out of there, maybe almost too much from Paul. I am less than the worst. And to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. And finally, in verse 10, it says, his intent was that now through the church The manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realm. the fourth point is this, Paul was a steward revealing the mystery and the mission. This is one of those read between the line points. What was Paul actually doing? He was recognizing the fact that God had brought this message to him and it wasn't something for him to keep for himself. In fact, stewardship is one of God's calls for our lives. The implication of Paul's action here in and of itself is that we as stewards should step forward and give, share, do what God calls us to do. I have a friend that, uh, he's, he's actually a pastor as well. He was studying for ministry and, and while I was in school, he was in school at the same time and we would do internships during the summer, which means we would go and serve at a church throughout the summer. And for him, he went to a specific church and while he was there, he was, uh, he was, uh, set up with a host family, which means that there was a family that, that had him in, and he stayed with them throughout uh, the, the the summer. He would work at the church and serve at the church, and then he would uh, he would stay at their house and have meals with them and that kind of thing. And this specific family, they took several vacations that specific summer, and so there were times when he was there all by himself, and so he was kind of a house sitter at the same time, and while he was there, he thought, I'm going to try to earn my keep. I'm going to do things that, that I contribute to uh, this family because of how nice they've They just opened up their home and opened their arms. They fed me. They've given me a place to stay, and so he decided he was going to help out a little bit. And he remembered one time uh, specifically when he was trying to help them out. That he was, you know, he'd help with meals. He'd help do this. He'd help do that. But one time he said, "I'm going to take it upon myself to try to help out with uh, a repair in the house." In fact, there was a bathroom, the master bathroom in the house and and he kind of out of respect and really just go into their bedroom when they weren't home. But one time when they were gone, he decided I'm going to go and I'm going to help out by fixing the problem that they were having in their master bathroom. Now, let me just tell you before he before they left, he was told, hey, a plumber is going to come. They're going to take care of this. Don't worry about it. But he thought, no, I'm going to I'm going to fix this. I'm going to help out here. And so after they, they left that, that, uh, that day that they were first starting off on their vacation, he knew he had some time. He went to the store and he bought some supplies to fix this, this toilet, which was the actual issue. And one of the first things he recognized about the toilet is that obviously there was no water in it. And not being a plumber, he didn't know exactly what to do. Probably they'd turn the water off. That's really what you do, right? And so he didn't know what to do there. And so uh, first thing he did was he he, he attempted to try to uh, dismantle the the pieces, the guts of the toilet that he thought were broken. He couldn't figure out exactly how the, the new ones went in. And so he's trying to figure out all these things. And eventually decides, you know what, the best way to figure out where a leak might be is to turn the water on. And so he turns on the water, he gets things going, and, 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 and for, the, for the most part, everything's going well, and then all of a sudden, a little leak springs here, and a little leak springs there, and he becomes that, that cartoon uh, cr- uh, cartoon character that's kind of trying to plug all the holes all at one time, right? And eventually, there's more holes than there are, fingers and noses and everything that he's trying to plug the holes with, and, 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 and it, all at once, everything kind of bursts loose, and, and there's water everywhere. The bathroom is full of water, the, 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 the water is starting to rush out into uh, the neighboring uh, bedroom, and he's, he's recognizing right now, this is an issue that is larger than I can take care of right now, especially with the understanding that I have. And so all at once he decides, okay, you know what? This was a bad idea. I'm going to eliminate this altogether. I'm just going to try to clean this up. I'm going to finish this off. And, and that way they'll never know that I even tried. The plumber can come. He can fix it. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I've got to get rid of this issue. And so he finally gets the water turned off and tries to dry up the, the, the floor as much as he can. He gets all the guts from the toilet and he, he, he's like, okay, I've got to get rid of these somewhere where they won't see them. And so he goes out, out through the bedroom, out of the, through the living room and down into their attached garage. He goes into the garage where their trash can is, and just as he reaches for the trash can in the garage, the garage door goes up. And there he is standing there in the middle of the garage with a piece of their toilet in one hand, his hand on the trash can, looking at them thinking, I, um, I don't know exactly what I'm doing, but I step forward in faith. And let me just say, sometimes that becomes the mess, so to speak, that we get into. Sometimes we get uh, into a mess here or there. I'll say for him specifically, he didn't tap into the power. And that might be the reason uh, in that instance. And sometimes that's our specific instance too, is we might not tap into the power. But God has given you, he has given me things that we can step into, that we can steward. Whether it be resources or whether it be our time, whether it be relationships we have, or even our stature at school or at work, whatever it might be. God has given us opportunity. Paul was a steward revealing this mystery mission. My question is, what are you stewarding? What do you have within your sphere of influence? What do you have in your possession that God might want to use to glorify him and his kingdom? As we move on, we might ask the question, but how did this mystery take place? And picking up in verse 11, it says, according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And backing up to 10, I'm going to read that again so you can see it in conjunction. His intent was that now through the church, that manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realm. So everyone would be known. And it was done so according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished. Get that. He accomplished, not you accomplished, not I accomplished, not somebody down the street, but he accomplished in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Point number five on our on our GPS, point number five on our journey together is Jesus Christ accomplished the mystery, the eternal plan. The eternal purpose was the effectiveness of headship that Christ was going to be over the United Church and his preparation both here on earth, but the assumption was it was a continuation into the universe. Just, just this, this morning, we sang a song. We sang a song together. And If you're not a, a wonderful singer and you decided just to listen, uh, listen along, we, we sang a song or we, we prayed through together whatever it might have been and whatever posture you had for our God. We sang a song called Jesus Paid It All. And in that song, in that specific song, we basically recognize the fact that on this road map together, on this journey that we're on together, that somebody footed the bill. Somebody paid for the gas and the snacks and, and put everything together. Somebody actually paid all that. And guess who that was for us in our lives? That was Jesus. That puts things into perspective. It really does. If you reflect upon your life and you think about, just in, in reality, the fact that you have breath, that I have breath in my life, not just the tangible things we have, the relationships, the gifts, but just the fact that we have life is a response to who God is and what he has done, And that puts things into perspective. Why did he do this ministry? Jesus opened the door. He opened the door for us to experience God the Father, our source of power. Verses 12 and 13 read like this. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Because of Jesus, we can be in the presence of a holy God. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my suffering for you, which are your glory. Jesus opened the door for us to experience God the Father, our source of power. When Jesus died on the cross, the, the scripture says that, the, that literally the, the curtain was torn. There would have been, a, a, just a, a short uh, synopsis, there would have been a tabernacle or a place where there were those w- that were uh, followers of the way would go to worship. And as they did so, there was a recognition that the further in you got, the more uh, holy, so to speak, you would have to be, the more pure you would have to be to get there. And there was a recognition that that purity came through sacrifice and through God's, God's response to your obedience. And as a result of that, you could go into specifically uh, only the, the, the most uh, willing and the, and the most holy could go into this place called the Holy of Holies. But what took place in Matthew 27, 51, it records us, at the moment the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. At the moment when, when Christ died, the moment when when his life was, was taken and he became the sacrifice for all of humanity, the curtain was torn. Therefore, there was an opening where it wasn't just uh, uh, when we walked through the proper steps that we could be in the presence of God. Instead, because of Jesus and because of his blood, we can all be in his presence. The verse continues, the earth shook and the rocks literally split. And That's from Matthew twenty seven fifty one. The response to Jesus' sa- uh, sacrifice for us is salvation. And so when we look at the, the God's plan for salvation. We look at the GPS and we go from, from point to point to point. We can recognize the fact that we can only get from point A to point B or point, I should say, five to point six through this open and torn curtain that Jesus did for us. We can only get there because of God's provision in our lives. Now, if you look at your notes specifically and you kind of walk through this, this, this uh, um, letter with us, I've been encouraging you to read the, the passages as we go along and being ready. And, and last week, I encouraged, maybe it was just second service, but I encouraged uh, you to read chapter 3, especially verse 1 through 13. But, but 14 uh, to the end, 14 through 21, actually uh, brings forth some very important information. In fact, we're going to transition now. And just a moment to a time of prayer. And when we do, I want to just just remind you or express two specific things. Paul's prayer here is a transition point in his letter, but it's also something that all the, the knowledge, all the understanding that we have is poured into for an expectation and an understanding of where we go and what we do from here. Starting in verse 14, it says, "'For this reason I kneel before the Father.'" And to know, the love, know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurable things, to more than all we have asked or imagined, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. The direction of this prayer helps us to to note two things. One, indication that prayer is important because Paul chose to express this, but also the practice of prayer, this obedience to recognizing who God is. I I am excited for the fact that this falls specifically, this passage falls specifically on Family Sunday. Because I I am one, an advocate that, that recognizes the fact that God calls us whether it's in our small tribe of close friends or family, especially within our, our, our homes, to pray together. To be a, 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 a beacon, a light through our relationships, to lift God up in our words, our deeds, our actions. So we're going to pray here in just a moment. I'll, I'll ask you to stand in just a moment. We're going to pray together in, 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 in closing, but we're going to also pray not just to close the service, but hopefully as a launch for this day, for this week. I'll encourage you to, to stand with your family, maybe, maybe people that you came with as comfortable as you might be holding hands if you're, if you're willing to do so or, or putting arms around one another, locking arms, but with your family or with your close friends. And if you see somebody in the room that's by themselves, maybe call them in. Hey, call them to, to, to join you during this prayer time as well. But here we recognize Paul's now expressing through prayer this growing awareness of all God is and all he's doing. We recognize the fact that God's keys are two things, their power, the power that we have through the Holy Spirit, and their love, the response that we have through that as well. It says here in verse 14, for this reason, picking back up from verse 1, jumping back into this, this train of thought of the fact that sometimes we might find ourselves as prisoners because of our following of the way but through his power and through his love and through the fact that he knelt, which in that time, in, in cultural historical understanding, would have recognized that most of the time they prayed standing. And there was an intensity behind the fact that, that he was kneeling, that he, he knelt for this prayer. It's a key prayer in a lot of ways. A prayer is a, a transition back to one, but it also looking at some of the, the context here from, from the word family. This is is so amazing. The word family there in the original Greek is not one that we would talk about a traditional family, but it actually, the root word is from father. And what Paul was attempting to try to get across was the fact that there is no family, family of God without a father in heaven. That must be the origin, that must be the place. 17 talks about this dwelling, be, be completely at home in the spirit. 19, this surpassing knowledge, so great it cannot be known. We, we, we may have the understanding of the mystery that Paul shares, but there's going to be other mysteries down the road. Immeasurably more is this power of, of God, a, a power that is without limit. And then finally, in verse 21, my favorite part, to, be, to him be the Glory to him be the glory. Our ultimate, think about this for a moment and and think about this in the context of of all of your stewardship, everything you do, everything you say, everywhere you go, every relationship you have, our ultimate goal in life, our ultimate goal in this understanding of stewardship is to glorify God. That's our goal. And so when you have the question of what should I do here? Should I take this job? Should I move? Should I do this? Should I, should I marry this person? All those questions, is it glorifying God Because that's the ultimate goal of our existence, to glorify our God. So I'm going to ask you to stand now and gather with those that you choose to pray with. I call this kind of a a corporate family or corporate small tribe prayer. So get with those uh, that that you want to pray with in this moment. And I want to lead this morning in, in prayer as we conclude this service, but also as we step out of the doors and start this week. So would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we come to you now with a great understanding of your mystery, but also with still some, some thoughts, some, some, uh, some questions about life in general. So God, may you step into those places. And Father, we recognize now through Paul's words, through this letter, that it's not always going to be some revelation, or maybe it'll never be for some of us, a revelation where we just feel this specific answer or understanding. But God, sometimes it's through your word and sometimes it's through others. God, I pray for the families that are represented here today, for the friend groups, for the close friends and family, God, for the roommates, God, that are here today, that you would be at the center of each relationship. God, I pray that you would touch, that you would lead, that you would guide, God, that you would bring forth a new day, a strengthening of of relationships together, a strengthening of relationships with you and a reconciling and a strengthening of relationships among each of us. God, may our hearts desire as a reflection of a knowledge of of your gift of of power and your, your gift of love, may our hearts desire to be to glorify you in all that we do and all that we say. And God, that truth can can be understood from the smallest child to the oldest and wisest adult. The fact that if we would just, in in our lives, if we would just compare or we would measure or we we would line up next to, is this glorifying God? Every decision we make, Father, it could and would change our perspective if we're not already there. God, I pray that our hearts as a church, our hearts as families, our hearts as individuals, would be, Father, just that, to lift you up, to glorify you. We thank you for the time, the talent, the treasure, the things you've given us to steward. May we use those things as a reflection on this journey, on this trip, on this game of life. May our GPS, while there might be some twists and turns that are self-inflicted or as a result of somebody else, may they be an opportunity for us to learn and to grow. Not to be defined by our past, as Pastor Eric talked about, but be defined by our heritage now, our adoption, follower of Jesus. Thank you, God, for who you are. Thank you for what you do. I pray for each family, each couple, each individual in this room right now, and those that are joining online. May you touch, may you lead, May you guide. Father, direct us as we go from this place in your son's holy name. All of us said together, amen. Thank you again for spending time with us today. Thank you especially to those of you who give to CCWC. It is through your faithfulness that makes this ministry possible. Also, if you have any questions about today's teaching or if you want to learn more about CCWC, feel free to contact our office, check the web, or follow us on our social media platforms. If you enjoyed today's podcast, we do encourage you to take a moment to subscribe and share it with friends. Let this be a blessing to someone else that you love in your life. You're always welcome to join us on Sunday morning for worship, or until then, we'll catch you on the next one. God bless.